Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the week that was with Joe Palmasolo. It is the 10th of August, 2019, and this is the week that was. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. I, uh, like everybody else at this radio station, is we're kind of elated, and at the same time, we're like the walking dead um, zombies, not sleeping. I wonder if Pam's sleeping now. I don't know. She She didn't sleep, I don't think. Maybe about an hour and 36 hours or so. So we're all zombies. You know what scares me most about being a zombie? What's that? All the walking. You never, they never sit down. <laughs> it's, it just, that. Yeah, you never see a zombie show where it's like they walk up to a Starbucks and they're all sitting there having coffee. Like, no, that's never a thing. No, no. They're always walking, always walking. That that bothers me. Well, they're anyway, the Walking Dead. I I saw I I witnessed. Um, well, let's go back. Wednesday, I had to fly to Philadelphia for some meetings. So I fly to Philadelphia. I get up early in the morning, drive to Cleveland, straight shot to Philly, have meetings all day, literally all day. And go to get on my flight at 7 o'clock at night to come home. <clears throat> Bad weather in Philly, all up and down the East Coast. My flight's canceled, 7. So I talked to them. They rebooked me on a 9.38 flight. So I go get something to eat. and wait for my 9.38 flight. Suddenly it's delayed to 10.10. Then it's delayed till 11. Then it's delayed till, needless to say, I get home at 4 o'clock in the morning. So now I'm exhausted. This is Thursday. I get home at, at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I get a little bit of sleep, go through the day, and then wishes. And obviously I go on the air at 9, I went on the air at 9.30. I stayed on the air till 5.00 which is a great cause, and I get pumped up for that, uh, plus the coffee that I consume. <laughs> um, but but when I was in Philadelphia, it was like a Petri dish of, of everything that is wrong in our society today. People were out of it, losing their minds. The whole terminal was filled with people because of all the cancellations. And all the postponements. And pretty soon, I'm sitting there, and I could hear people yelling at each other, screaming, I'm not talking to you. Shut up. And people getting in each other's faces, and they're yelling at the people in the counter, behind the counter. And the people behind the counter are just trying to control them. And people, yeah, 
And they say, oh, they get on and say, your flight's delayed again for another hour. We've had some problems. And you're lying. You're a liar. And I'm like, whoa. I sat in this recliner, this massage chair, and I just sat there and I was just laughing. And then all of a sudden I go to, to, I'm in my terminal area, my gate area, and the two people that are behind the counter quit. They walked, they, the guy just said, I'm going home. People were at the counter and he goes, I'm going home. I'm going home. And they're asking him questions. He's going, I'm going home. And he packed up his stuff and he left. So there wasn't anybody behind the counter. So what did I do? Because people were upset, I thought, eh, this would be a good time to do this. I got up, I walked behind the counter, I picked up the microphone, and I said, any questions? <laughs> and they all burst out laughing. It kind of relieved it a little bit. But it was uh, it was nuts. It was really nuts. People get crazy about this stuff. They get in fights with each other, the whole thing. So, anyway, that's what took place. But the good news is the sleep that I didn't get Thursday night, Friday morning was, I have a blast doing wishes. Wishes is so important. It's such a great cause. And and Stark County, you are unbelievable. The people of this county, I will say this again, and and I mean this with all my heart. There is no, I have lived in 10 different states. There is no better place to live than Stark County. The people of Stark County will rise up to any occasion. I'll say this again. The the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame, not because of ESPN and NFL Network and any particular person, but because of the people in Stark County, the volunteers, the, the people who started it. They're, they're, and, and the people, I, I am totally in awe of how they rally behind causes. $202,000 were raised in 36 hours. 41 wishes will be granted. Mm. With The money is there for Madeline and, and Cindy uh, to do 41 wishes. They've already done 25. And they've got 35 that are already committed. Um, but now they've got the money to do that. And what they do is unbelievable. So I, I'm th- that Friday, Friday morning, th- those wee hours are amazing because <laughs> everybody else is, you know, most of the time everybody's there and they're like, there's all kinds of people and excitement and, you know, Food being delivered and everything else. I had like cold coffee and some very cold, what's still very good, uh, Italian food. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, Teresa, from yeah. the little Italian oh, kitchen. My it was excellent stuff. It was great, but, it, you know, by 4 o'clock in the morning, it's kind of cool. Uh, oh. <laughs> but it was still good. <laughs> and, and, and you just judge it by my victories at night. I say this in the morning. My victories were somebody coming in with three jars of change. You know, it's like yeah. every time you see one person walk in, it's great. So it was it was a blast. Cindy Morrill's going to be here this morning. She's going to be here at 9 o'clock, um, and we're going to get a wrap-up 
folks, you got to hear this stuff because it, it is what they're doing for kids. If you have no idea what's going on, uh, Wishes Can Happen is just a phenomenal organization. And Cindy Morrow, who is the executive director and the co-founder of Wishes Can Happen, started in 1982. And this was our 12th Wish-a-thon. <clears throat> but they do magic in young kids' lives and children's lives and the families' lives. And uh, and it's just she's going to be here, tell stories. There was another – there was – the other thing I want to get into today is, um, you know, these these mass shootings, obviously, and and it kind of the the reason I said, talked about the airport is that was kind of a microcosm of it. Flight's delayed. It's delayed. It's not anybody's fault, but yet people are going to come to blows and get in fights over a flight delayed because the weather's bad, you know. And so now you got people. You get, you have a shooting in Dayton. You have a mass shooting in El Paso. We had one in Virginia Beach this year. We had one in Aurora, Illinois this year. So you have these mass shootings. And and we're going to talk to Tim King today. Dr. Tim T- King is going to come in. And he's I, one of my favorite people, yeah, by the way. He's a great guy. And we're going to talk about what's going on. But the other thing is, I want to ask, when is a mass shooting a mass shooting? Now, that seems like an odd question, but if five people are killed in Chicago over a weekend, is that a mass shooting? The news media, it, do, do, does the media pick and choose what are the highlighted mass medias or mass shootings? And do we give enough attention to what goes on in our inner cities or do we just kind of let that go as, as oh, that's different? Because in Chicago on a weekend, it's mass shooting. But is it because they're African-American that the media doesn't cover it as much? Think about it. And should they? Do we ignore that? Do we say, oh, that's just common. That's just normal. That's just okay. But if it happens over here, it's one thing. If it happens here on a daily basis, is that okay? It's an interesting question. We'll talk about that as we as we go on. Antonio Brown, we'll get into that. It's a mess. The NCAA, I have to get into that again, John, with you. Um, their new ruling. And what about robots and all these things? All the, it, there is so much going on with AI and robotics, and they're even developing a shirt that smells better when you sweat. Really? Really? I don't know. I don't think I want that. A fabric that smells better when you sweat. What is it made of, Febreze? (laughs) Does it just, like, disintegrate into Febreze? Is that how it works? I don't know. We'll get into all that. And and more. We're going to have our... Oh, you know what? I didn't do trifecta contest. I'm going to have to make one up as we go along. We'll do that. We've got much more. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. Yeah, before we get into serious stuff, they're making everything now. 
I mean, there, there's you got ro- robot delivery people. You've got all this stuff being uh, developed and made, and we're mm-hmm. we're we're heading into a just a really an unbelievable. It could it has a chance of being good, has a chance of being bad, has a chance of backfiring all the time. But one thing that people should not make, which they are, is a cockroach. Really? I mean, I, I would like these things to be gone. What purpose? Uh, now, somebody knows they probably do something in the food chain, and they'll probably, you know, cause cows to die if we eliminate roaches or something. I don't know. There's some something to that. But Is it a robotic cockroach? <laughs> yes. They're developing this. A robotic researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, figures, have developed a tiny robot, Robot, I like to say robot, and that's not right. Robot that measures just three centimeters by one point five centimeters and weighs less than point zero seven grams. These are these are cockroaches. They've they've developed these little mini robotic cockroaches that cannot die. They they can withstand extraordinarily large amounts of weight. You can step on it, you can jump on it, and it won't die. I mean, this sounds like a horror movie. I know, it sounds I like know. the start to a horror movie. Like, like Dr. <laughs> Dr. Zinovich was in his back room when he discovered the robotic cockroach, and then it's like these things take over the world. This, they Come said, on now. They said, according to this, they said, yeah, this this sounds like it's kind of stupid, but... No, it is stupid. This tiny robot can, robot can scuttle, <laughs> robot. A, a sc- scuttle along the ground at a speed of 20 body lengths every second. Okay, now that's just even more frightening. Now I'm going to be checking my bedroom <laughs> for these things. Now they said, the researchers, according to the researchers... These robots could be used in the future on rescue missions, search and rescue missions, as they are small enough to squeeze into tight places where dogs or humans can't fit. Of course. Why don't they just train robots? Can you picture well, I mean, cockroaches. Can you picture it? This guy picks up this little robotic cockroach. He's like talking to it. He's like, he's like go get it, boy. Go get him. Go get him. He just darts into this room. It's like, yeah, like that would do any good. They they can spring forward. It's propelled forward in a leapfrogging kind of motion. Oh, come on. Now. I swear they 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 have developed this and it it can you cannot kill it. It it'll survive. It'll run away. Um it says you have to actually grind it up in order to kill it. They they developed this. Now I could see somebody like, I'm going to release these into the world unless you send me $1 million. No, that's just Mike Myers. <laughs> you oh, know, my God. You know what's what's most frightening about that is, that, like, I can picture, like, 20 years from now, like, when my kids, like, walk up to me and they're like, Dad, like, what was the world like before? Like, we had, like, robotic spiders running around that you couldn't kill. Robotic uh, roaches. I'll be like, it was a great place. It was like you didn't fear for your life every time you walked down the street. 
That's funny. Oh my gosh. We That's a hor- horrible idea. I know. I, of all the things, why roaches? Why roaches? That's like robotic flies, robotic mosquitoes that sting you and suck out like 15 times the blood of a normal mosquito. They're gonna, they're gonna can't be swatted. They're going to make those, but those robotic mosquitoes are going to be filled with vaccines for the flu. And then they'll replace it for you. They'll take your blood, but they'll give you the vaccine. Now, the guy who invents that, that's a smart human being. The problem is, is that then they'll probably give like the same person, like the same vaccine, like 30 times and that person will die. You can't do this stuff. Hey, when we come back, I'm going to do the uh, contest, um, and we're going to talk sports. I want to talk Antonio Brown. i got to talk the NCAA. I'm going to lose my mind. When is this organization going to go away? Talk about roaches. The NCAA. All right, stay tuned. Yes, it is contest time, and I don't know what we're giving away today, Stephen. Rubber ducks? A four-pack? Oh, you lost your microphone. It's I threw it away. It's a four-pack of tickets to see the Akron Rubber Ducks. It's a voucher that you could use any time. It's a great prize. Great prize. Time's running out, though. And speaking of Rubber Ducks, this is an Indians trivia day. Here are the three answers. Later on the show, I'll give you questions. If you get them right, you will win the four-pack of tickets to see the Akron Rubber Ducks whenever you choose. The first answer is Albert Bell. Albert Bell. Albert Bell. And the second answer is two. Third answer is eight. Albert Bell, two, and eight. Later on the show, I'll give you questions. You match them up. You will win. What? It's one pair of tickets. Oh, excuse me. Oh, one pair of tickets? Oh, all you have to do is answer two questions then. No, I'm kidding. All right, one pair of tickets. So two tickets, right? Not a voucher of four. Okay. One. Albert Bell. Albert. Albert Bell, yeah. All right, I want to talk about this. I have to get this off my chest. Go ahead. The NCAA. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, they, they were so far behind the curve. They they're, The environment they created allowed all this corruption to take place with the agents and everything. This has been going on for years and years and years, and the NCAA knew it, took a, turned a blind eye to it, let it go. Because all they care about is the illusion that these are amateur, that this is an amateur sport in college basketball and football anymore. So now, in order to stay relevant, in order to fight for their power and their jobs and this machine, the golden goose that they've got, they come up with a rule for agents now. And this absolutely strikes at one person, and that is Rich Paul. LeBron James's agent, mm-hmm. Draymond Green's agent, they came up with this new thing for amateur, to protect amateurism. Yeah, right. 
to protect protect amateurism, they they said now this new rule for agents, you have to have a bachelor's degree. What? You have to have a bachelor's degree. Now, guess who doesn't have a bachelor's degree? Rich Paul. Yeah. You have to have a bachelor's degree, and you have to be certified with the NBPA for a minimum of three years. And here's the other kicker. You've got to travel to the NCAA offices in Indianapolis to take an in-person exam to be certified this is a matter that, huh? when, I, I, who does the NCAA think they are? Do they think we're stupid? This is the most corrupt organization outside of FIFA in the entire area of sports. It has behaved despicably over the years. It fostered the very environment that caused this problem to take place. Um, this is merely another way for them to protect the sham of amateurism. Because, after all, they have to, because that's what they sell to us. Oh, these are amateurs. These are amateurs. They only play in a year before they go pro, but they're amateurs. Yeah, it's... you know, it's starting to get to the point to where obviously it's it's attacking someone personally, and and I was happy to see that LeBron took to Twitter and and defended Rich Paul, and actually called it the Rich Paul rule now because yeah. that's what it's being referred to as. It shouldn't matter, Joe. It should not matter if the guy has a a degree or if he's part of the NBPA or if he's taking an in-person exam, if he's doing what's best for that person, that's all that should matter. But here's the other part, John. What business is it of the NCAA to get involved in yeah, who becomes be, an agent? It shouldn't not? be their business. It shouldn't. But the thing is, is that this is just more of a way to try to control the entire system. Bingo. To try to control the entire idea that you can't be a one-and-done. You have to stay in college longer. You can't, you I don't know. even think they care. I don't even think they care about you staying. They don't care about anything but their own power. They don't care if a guy comes in one year and leaves. In fact, for 10 years or 15 years, they didn't care that agents were paying players to come to those schools. It wasn't until the FBI got involved that they finally cracked down, and now they're coming in late to the game, putting in these stupid rules to keep um, agents, guys who are good like Rich Paul. First of all, Rich Paul was never involved in any of this stuff. Mm. Rich, ba- Rich Paul was a clean agent. He, ha- he has not been mentioned in any of these things. And so you go after him, there's guys on the street, who are street smart, who are better agents through life lessons than guys who have been to school and become lawyers and things. Rich Paul gets it. Rich Paul treats his people good. Rich Paul doesn't do dirty things. Rich Paul stays away from that stuff. But the NCAA is putting this in only to hold on to power. A bunch of old white guys in in Indianapolis trying to tell people how to do their business. Because it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. This is about power and control. We don't need the NCAA any longer. 
In fact, we never needed the NCAA. Don't you think, though, that this is another example of like, and, and I've told you this so many times in sports conversations that we've had, big organizations go after the big name always. The NFL with Deflategate going after Tom Brady, something that was so stupid, had no business being in the news. I forget what it was with, oh, we were talking about Penn State. They made a huge example of Penn State because it was Joe Paterno. But then they don't make any example of Ohio State when when exactly the same amount of people, if not more, were abused. But now this, because he is the same guy that's the agent for LeBron James, and Draymond Green, guys that are NBA champions, the NCAA knows they can get more clout. They know they can get more media time. They know that they can flex their muscles a little bit more in the media if they go after a guy like this, opposed to going after Joe Schmo that nobody's ever heard of before. They put these stupid rules in, making guys kowtow to the NCAA. There are no exceptions. You have to go to Indianapolis to the headquarters to take a written exam and be certified. You have to have a bachelor's degree. Really? If if I'm an athlete in college, I don't have the right now to pick the guy that I want, whether he has a, a college degree or not? This is why more and more, I think in the next two to three years, you are going to see less and less high-profile high school basketball seniors pick Duke opposed to going overseas to play for a year. As if that's not already a problem, in the next two to three years, you're going to see more and more examples of guys not committing to play any college basketball whatsoever because of this. Well... But when do we get rid of the NCAA? I, I'm sick of these guys. This is, I, I this is literally can, the most. Yes, you can. Why? What do we need the NCAA for? What do we need it for? What do they do besides publish a rule book five inches thick that trips up every single coach who tries to do anything good for a young man? The NCAA funnels money through the schools to themselves, to other organizations, and bypasses the kids who actually play the game. It saddles them. This is the biggest scam in the world. This is professional sports without paying the athletes. Think about this. If the NBA had all the money that they made, now think about this. They, the NBA makes all this money off advertising, off everything, and then they don't pay the athletes. How much money would the owners be making? Here's why you can't. No, get rid think of it. about that. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay, so what is the NCAA doing? The NCAA is funneling all the money to the universities, to themselves, holding on to this power, negotiating huge deals, and not and selling likenesses, jerseys, everything else, paraphernalia, and not paying. The athletes a dime under the sham and scam of calling them amateurs. It's bogus. Why do you need them? 
I know what you wanted to just say. Nice, nice job no, stopping. No, I said you. bogus. I know, but nice job stopping Thank yourself. You. I could tell what you wanted to say. Thank you. Um, this is why you can't get rid of the NCAA. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm just going to no, tell go you. Ahead, tell me. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, but tell me. Because they've been around since 1910. So and because what? there's 1,268 members. Oh, and what are those members? What the are those schools. members? Yeah, are they bound legally to the NCAA? I mean, not as far as I know. No, they're not. But here's the thing, is that you'd have to then convince all of those schools, or at least a good amount of those schools, to revolt against the NCAA. And a lot of those schools are okay with what the NCAA does. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. But no, some of them not. include, like, the small schools, that it doesn't really matter. It does matter. They still have the stupid rules. They still have – the small schools still have kids that want to come out and play basketball. They, you know, you, you get – the NCAA does nothing good. Nothing. Conferences could break up on their own and be every bit as strong and police themselves without anything the NCAA does. Conferences can do that. The NCAA is is a relic. It is a relic who holds on to power by coming up with stupid rules like this in order to in order to keep going. And they are not on the front end of everything. They're on the back end of everything. You don't think I'm even going to go into Penn State. That was going on for years and years and years. It, it, the NCAA didn't do the investigation into, into what happened at Penn State. It was taken to, to the, the police. Yeah. And then the NCAA comes in afterwards and gives the, the penalties to, to Penn State. Actually, if you look at the story, it was actually a reporter who who Bingo. broke everything. So what does the NCAA do? Nothing. The only thing they do is come in after the fact to kind of put a Band-Aid on things to hold on to more power again. It's ridiculous. And then when we come back, I want to get into Antonio Brown. I'm so I, I, Pittsburgh's got to be going, we're so happy. We, we have to talk really. about the Indians for one second, too. All right, all right we'll do it. All right, John. We'll be back. All right, John, get it off your chest. Let's talk Indians. <laughs> uh, Come on, uh, man. Come uh, on, man. We got four minutes. Uh, uh, no, they're um, obviously playing their best baseball of the year now. Yeah. Uh, 42 and 17 since being, what, 28 and 29, I said earlier, late May. Uh, down 11 and a half games at one point. I mean, if I had told you that they were going to be tied for first on August 10th after being down in 11 and a half games, what would you have told me? You're right. You you really thought so? No. No. I just, just... That's what I'm saying. I mean, unless you were in the clubhouse. Yeah, at 11 and a half, I thought, this is pretty bad. But then, right then is when they caught fire. And I was saying this to you yesterday. There was a, a number of... It was yesterday, yesterday at like 2 in the morning I was yes. telling you this. But there were a number of reporters that tweeted out around the time that the team started to get hot and cut into the Twins' lead that apparently Cookie Carrasco pulled the team aside about a month before the news broke of him having leukemia, and he told them individually, like, in the locker room, and the team came together after that and started playing better after that. 
Wow. So it's like they're it's almost like they're playing for something that's obviously bigger than themselves at this point, which I think is cool. I mean, sometimes you need that that feeling, that teammate, that guy that's down next to you that's, you know, a key cog to what you've done over the last couple of years and if that's inspiring them then it's only going to continue to get better cuz as a team not just through playing, but through trades, they've gotten better since that point. And to see Fran Mil Reyes finally get an RBI single last night, and Yasiel Puig is hot. Once these two guys really start to acclimate themselves with the offense, I mean, this team could be really scary in the AL. The only team that scares me in the AL for them to make it to the World Series at this point is the, the Astros. Astros. Yeah. Everyone else I feel like they can beat. Uh, yeah. I, I think, think they so. can take the Yankees. I'm not so. worried about, you know, I'm not worried about anybody else, just the Astros. Yeah. And if it's a seven-game series, I feel pretty good about it. Well, if Kluber comes back strong, then that, that'll be an important cog to it, obviously. Um, Antonio Brown. Yeah, Derek Carr just stole his lunch money. What a pain in the butt this guy is. I want to wear a 10-year-old helmet that's been banned, and I'm not going to play football anymore unless they allow (laughs) me to pet. Now, Tom Brady had the same helmet, and he was able to wear it last year again because it was grandfathered in. But this year he's going, whether he likes it or not, he's going to a new helmet. Antonio Brown comes down and says... I'm not going to play anymore unless I can wear my 10-year-old helmet. Now, it's been, it's not certified. It's older. It isn't made anymore, by the way. It's been discontinued. So, the whole thing's crazy. This guy's, well, this guy's a, a head case. The Steelers... This was addition by subtraction by the Pittsburgh Steelers. This guy's bananas. If I'm in Oakland, if I'm John Gruden, I'm losing my mind right now. Well, it digs more into what you and I talked about a couple weeks ago when when I called in and you were saying that there are those people that are still trying to compare Odell Beckham Jr. to Antonio Brown. There is no comparison. Antonio Brown is your is your quintessential over-the-top wide receiver diva that has to have everything his way or he is going to, you know, not show up, not do his job on time. Whereas, even though the media wants to create that feeling in Cleveland, that doesn't exist. I know. Odell, Jarvis, these guys get along great. And they and they show up and they work. Yeah. Whereas Antonio Brown <laughs> shows up in a hot air balloon. He shows up, and everything has to be about him. With burnt feet. Yeah, he. Yeah, that was the best. Going into the, the cryogenic chamber and yeah, not, not wearing, wearing the shoes. right shoes. Come on now. I mean, this is a guy that could be, if he could just put himself aside, if he could put Antonio aside. He can't. He could be the best wide receiver in the league year in and year out. He can't. He won't. He's self-destructing. And, and John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders are the beneficiaries of it. I, um, Cindy Morrow is here. She's executive director and co-founder of Wishes Can Happen, and she's coming up after the news and sports, and we're going to talk about Wishes Can Happen, probably one of the greatest organizations that I've ever had the pleasure of being around. Um, 
wish the wishathon the 12th annual all care wishathon raised over two hundred and two thousand dollars uh over the last 36 hours and uh there's still auction items out there there's still more to come but it is uh it's a it's an honor to have cindy with us and when we come back we're going to talk about wishes can happen cindy morrow and uh the all care wishathon we're going to get into that when we come back stay tuned I couldn't get my headsets up. They got all discombobulated. And, you know, I, I think I said this many times. The most, important, the most important event in Stark County every year is the Wishes Can Happen Wishathon. And if you spent any time at all around these kids, these parents, um, the people who Cindy Moore and Madeline Sweeney and everybody else who's associated with wishes can happen. If you spend any time around them and, and understood the passion and the life-changing effects of what these people do for these families and these kids, uh, you would understand it's the most important event. And I think the people of Stark County do because they respond over and over and over every year. And and we are very fortunate this morning. After a long weekend, uh, Cindy Morrow, who is the executive director and co-founder of Wishes Can Happen, 1982. I know, Joe. I'm old. We're all old. We're, we're, we're old. I'm older than you. I, I know that. So as we go through this, does it ever... I mean, that's a long time, Cindy, 1982, and you look at this, and you have to be continually um, amazed at how this has grown. Oh, I am. I never dreamed in 1982 that it would be this big, that it would affect so many families. When Linda and I started, it was like, okay, we'll grant some wishes. Mm -hmm. Never dreamed it would turn into something this huge and have this much impact. Yeah, and you you're you've already done twenty five wishes this year, I gather, right? And we have thirty five waiting Com- committed, mm-hmm. and you have the money now to do those thirty five plus even more. We do. The only reason that they're waiting is because we have to work around treatment schedules okay. and that kind of thing. That's right. You yes. really don't have a waiting list, and no. you're one of the few in the country that, or maybe the only one. In the local organizations that don't do that. We are very fortunate. We are members of the Association of Wish-Granting Organizations, which is kind of the uh, good housekeeping seal of approval for wish organizations, and we go to a conference every year. Mm -hmm. And there are several there that have to have a fundraiser for every wish. They don't have near the community support we do. Yeah. Stark County is pretty amazing. Oh, Wonderful. I'm completely blown away. I said this before, Cindy. I've lived in 10 different states. I I chose to be here. I wasn't born here. But I have never seen a county uh, as passionate about things as Stark County is and, and is supportive and always rallying to the occasion. You picked the perfect place. Well, I was born and grew up here so. yeah so you knew <laughs> i didn't pick <laughs> but i'm very fortunate it worked out that way yeah and i talk about when when you hit these numbers when you hit 200 over two hundred thousand dollars 
Um, do you still get, I mean, I know you get emotional over this. Every I time know, you see me cry every year. Yeah, and be, because you know who, who it's going to affect. And I know the happiness it's going to bring, not only for the wish child, but for the entire family. Yeah. Talk about some of the people who are involved with this, who are, who, some of the wishes that, you know, there's some people in my mind that I will never forget that it completely impacted my life. One was Nathan. Nathan will forever, and I played his vignette. Um, and and I remember sitting and speaking with him. Um, in spite of all the things he was going through, and I've seen this over and over again, in spite of all the things he was going through, his concern was not him. He was he kept in that whole vignette. He was talking about the other kids, and and what was going on in their lives, and how he was older and he had lived life and but some of these kids didn't have the chance he he completely blew me away and and will forever have an impact in my life but there are many more now that that we read their stories some of the people who are going to go through this who are getting wishes granted what are some of the stories on those do you know the what what many of them are doing well there's one we recently did a little four-year-old girl who loves to go to the playground that is her favorite thing to do and she was invited to have whatever wish she wanted and she said she wanted a playground where other kids could have fun Wow. four years old and she's thinking about that yeah and so we purchased a huge ship which is now in the front yard of Lake Cable Clubhouse. And this ship has everything you can imagine. Swing, slide, rock climbing wall, little clubhouse in the bottom of it, big steering wheel so they can steer the ship. Really? Um, The soft mulch stuff they put on the playgrounds is blue, so it looks like it's in water. Oh, my God. And that's all because a four-year-old wanted to share the experience of going to playgrounds. Is this the one that has the book nook, too? Yes. I remember yes. hearing about that. Yes, the book nook is in, in memory of Jordan Myers, who was a Jackson Middle School student, and we were going to grant her wish, but we didn't get the opportunity to do that. She passed away, and um, she loved to read. And so the book nook is a small little library right there by the ship, and there's a, a bench so that parents can pull a book out of the book nook and sit there and read to their child. And they can take the books home, they can replace the books, they can borrow the books, whatever. But, yeah, it's Jordan's book nook. And I heard the parents, the the families of Jordan and... Hallie. Hallie? Mm-hmm. They've become very close. Yes, they have. They became united over this thing. Yes. And and which is totally well, Hallie's mother works at Jackson Middle School and that's where Jordan attended. So okay. they knew each other to begin with. But uh, yes, this has been a real bond. That's amazing. To yeah. Me. I um now the important thing is also as uh, on top of the two hundred and two thousand that was and more, there's still auction items going on. Right. 
and and the auction items are incredible, are incredible. So that will be added on. By the way, I I um, I told you I I bidding on the repelling down the Onesta, which I really don't want to do, but I'm going to do it because I'm afraid of it. I hate heights, um, but it's something I want to do. How'd you get that crazy idea? Uh, I saw it, and it was my biggest fear, so I did it. Isn't that odd? Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's odd. It's it's like okay, I'm definitely afraid of going thirteen stories down the Onesta on a rope. So that's the thing I bid at, and that so. I want to be there to watch. Well, it's gonna. Yeah, we'll see if it if it goes through, and and it, we do that. But the point I was making is that you have all these auction items. That's going to add to the total. Plus, well, a lot of times we think this is the end of the fundraising, but people could donate all year, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we welcome every penny. We've had four golf outings this summer that people did for us, okay, which is wonderful. Um, kids with lemonade stands, and so many kids came into the Wishathon with their piggy banks the other day. It was wonderful. Yeah. And CSE had that machine there that they could just dump their coins in. It sounded like Las Vegas. I know. It was it was really inspiring, and kids came in with four dollars or fifty dollars or seventy dollars or twelve cents. Yeah, somebody came and, in overnight and brought three. Jars, mason jars, full of coins. I think about 3 o'clock in the morning. That was fun. Friday morning. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. But they, but people could go to Wishes Can Happen on the website, and they could donate all year round. That's Just any time they get a whim. And they could donate monthly, a recurring yes, donation, Yes, we do a too. lot of that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we get a lot of memorial donations. Yeah. So people can do that too. They want to give a tribute to someone. When 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 we come back, I know we've got to take a break. I I want to uh, in the in the time we have, and I don't want to keep you. I know you're you you've had a, a long weekend. I'm fine, Joe. Thanks for you're for that, welcome. But I'm fine. All right, and but I want to get into stories with you from from past from now, starting this. The, your feelings going forward, the the whole thing, because this is um, this is truly, and you uh, and your organization and Madeline and everybody involved are, are just unbelievable people, and this is a this is kind of a gem. You're a gem of Stark County. Well, thank you. And and we, I want to tell your story a little bit more and get into that. We're going to have more. With Cindy Morrill, the executive director and co-founder of Wishes Can Happen. Stay tuned. Yeah, Wishes Can Happen is uh, an unbelievable organization, a gem. A, uh, one of the things that, that we can look at as, as traditions, as, as a cornerstone of Stark County. And, uh, you know, as a vision of Cindy Morrill and, and Linda Lippert. Yes. Uh, in 1982, and Cindy and Madeline Sweeney and everybody else associated with Wishes has turned this into an amazing thing where you're going to grant 
what, 60 wishes? At least 50 this year. At least 50. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we know that, that how these impact people and how these impact. How, how do you, I guess you look at this, you sit back and you have, you're the executive director and you have to kind of manage all the other elements of this. But when you look back and, and you see that what you have done in people's lives, do you ever kind of look at yourself and go, wow, this is, this is, <laughs> I mean, I know you don't get, I know you're very humble and, and, but you have to look at this and say, oh, my gosh, what a difference you've made. What a difference this organization has made. Yeah, and I don't think about that very often. I'm so caught up in the administration part of it that I, I think once a year when you have the wish-a-thon for us and I hear the stories and I meet the kids that the other wish granters have accomplished, then it that's when it hits me. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to – continuing this – going forward it just keeps growing is is what's the most in in a year what is the most you've wishes you've ever granted this is our biggest year it is it is so it continues to grow unfortunately i said this on the air uh when i was on it it's it's great that you're granting all these wishes it's sad that all these wishes need to be granted and so it's kind of a double-edged sword. But without you, there is no hope in this. Without your organization. I, and I looked at this, too, and I, I'm just kind of venting off the top of my head. But, Cindy, I look at these. Uh, I've seen, heard stories. First of all, it's, it's, it's a, without this, there are probably many more youngsters who would have succumbed to their disease. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know that we have given hope to so many kids. We've given them something to look forward to. They go to, for their treatment, and if they don't want to go through a procedure, the parent can say, hey, you've got to do this so that you can go to Disney or you can have your sliding board or your horse or whatever the wish is. Yeah. Um I do know of at least one instance where we did save a life. Yeah. Because the little boy had given up and his grandfather said, you know, you got to pull together and and do this. And he did because he was looking forward to meeting the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And I think that I've talked to a couple people who said this is what I, I was at the end. I didn't want to I didn't want to do this anymore, but when I went on my trip when I went on my wish or got my wish, I felt rejuvenated enough to continue and start. The other thing is that you provide a a memory for those parents if that person, if that young child or that child does not make it, you provide a memory away from the tubes the treatments, a lasting memory of a happy time. That's right. We have parents that say they look back 20 years and remember the trip 
or the toy or the event that their child enjoyed. And it was so refreshing to see the child smile instead of cry. Yeah. And that's the memory that they carry on mm-hmm. rather than the memory of the, of the problems. And without, without wishes, without that wish, the memories would have only been of, of the bad times. Yeah. I'm glad we can give some happy times. Yeah. I, I'm totally, I'm, I'm blown away by you again. Always. I, um, uh, you have to be when be there when I repel. If I repel, I will. I will be right there. Yeah, catch me. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I can see me catching big you. <laughs> I, I I I love you. You are an amazing lady. Um, I, I there is no doubt why this continues to go because of the passion of you and the passion of Madeline and the passion of everybody in the organization is is, is phenomenal. You truly are in it for the right reasons, and it and it shows, and it works. And God bless you. Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Continued success, and and uh, we will always be here. I I I know I was. This is the most important cause, I think that that we have in this area, and why and what you're doing is amazing. Thank you so much, Cindy Morrow, the executive director and co-founder of Wishes Can Happen. If you have not given at this point you can still go to wishes can happen.com or wishes can happen.org and you could go on there and you can uh, bid on the auction items you could do that in whbc.com still or you could do it on the on the wishes can happen website or you could just go on anytime and donate yeah uh, you will not be donating if I tell people this if you don't if you're gonna donate to one cause a year its wishes can happen. There is not an organization that touches people's lives as much as this one. And God bless you, Cindy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You know, sooner or later, love is going to get you. Sooner or later, love is going to get you. Sooner or later, that's a. Um, is that the grassroots? Wow. Where'd you find that, Stephen? Your brain, your brain's like, it's, there's a murky area back there. My brain is stuck in the 70s is what my problem is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad place to be stuck, I don't think. You know, I look at some of the things that are happening. We talked about the robotic roaches, which is totally bizarre to me, why anybody would create a robotic roach. Um, but there are so many things happening with AI, with uh, artificial intelligence, with uh, people messing around with genes and and uh, some of these things are are crazy, are crazy what's going on. Right. Here's an example. I'm going to give you some examples. The world's first AI bar is in, opened in London. So there's an AI bar. Uh, it's listing the help of artificial intelligence systems to help the bartenders. So what you do is you plug in certain things, and it's facial recognition system. It remembers your face. It knows your favorite drink. So you walk in. It reads your your face. Um, I suppose somebody could put a mask on and get your drinks, but 
you, it reads your face, and then uh, the drink is automatically ordered, and the bartender just goes over and, and picks it up. It's actually made by the by the AI and the whole thing. It's it's bizarre. But that bar has opened. We already have people, you know, robots delivering things. But here's a here's one that really goes off the rails for me. Scientists in China uh, have developed or have have made a human monkey hybrid, and it was grown in a lab in China. Scientists have, have successfully formed a human monkey embryo with an experiment taking place in China to avoid legal issues. They have been able to splice the genes. Now, this is right out of the fly. This is bizarre stuff, folks. They have been able to to blend the genes of a human being and the genes of a monkey together. Now, what's going to happen when this grows? This is, and they've already done this now with a pig, a human and a pig. I, I, this, this absolutely blows me away. Stem cells. Um, they're talking about now they're working with uh, research with monkeys in China again, but to, to blend, to take stem cells and use them, the ultimate goal would be to create a human organ that could be transplanted. So by using stem cells and doing all these things that they could create, imagine the consequences of this. It, it blows me away. The military is working on a type of laser that talks. This is true. They're working on this. Department of Defense say this high-tech weapon will be able to send brief messages in the form of audible speech across a con- uh, combat zone. So you could send it for miles. This laser will transport as far as you want to, and it could say things, tell the people at the other end to stand down or warn them, stop or we'll shoot. A laser that could carry sounds for miles and miles and miles. Hundreds of miles. Can you believe that? There's there's more. Facebook is funding brain experiments to create a device that will read minds. This is true. Facebook announced that it is working now. The social media giant is revealing that it has been financing extensive university research on human volunteers. They've already started it. Some of the research is actually working uh, developing speech decoders able to determine what people are trying to say by analyzing their brain signals. They can read their minds. This is what's coming. And what about privacy concerns when this happens? Whoa. 1984. <clears throat> you know, I, I told you about 
me buying a, putting down a down payment on a, a, a completely electronic vehicle. Well, the next step is with the electronic vehicles, then the next one is they're trying to get this advanced technology where it's almost at the point now where the future is here, where you you don't have to drive your car. Somebody's going to drive it. AI will drive it. You'll just sit back, um, and, and it it does things on its own. I mean, this stuff is amazing to me. Uh, I told you about the fabric. This is it's called orange orange theory. Eliminate sweat stink locked in gym clothes. They've developed. They're developing a shirt, a a fabric. That smells, clothes smell like roses, clothes, clothes smell like an orangey effect, but they smell better when you sweat. Can you believe that? Uh, so many things going on right now with, with AI, with development. It's almost like things are just speeding up so quickly. Stephen's getting me a story. What's your story, Stephen, that you that you copied? Is it for me or is it for others? No. No. Is this true? Jeffrey Epstein. Now, I, do, we'll talk about this when we come back. Something about Jeffrey Epstein. This is uh, pretty amazing. Do I think it's true? Um, I'll explain. I'll explain when we come back. Stay tuned. Look, I'm going to admit to you, I'm a goof. I actually had a brain freeze, a complete brain freeze when I was giving Omni's number. I've given Omni's number a hundred times, and I completely froze, and I made up a number just to get out of that live read because we had to go to a break. But I completely lost it. The number for Omni Orthopedics is 330-492-9200. 330-492-9200. I com- I, it, was a, it was like, what? I completely lost it. I'm so professional. All right, here's a story. Jeffrey Epstein died, was found dead the guy who is involved in all this stuff and all this, I, I, there were stories that came out today that um, of all the people that were friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, do I, he was found dead in his jail, in his prison cell, Manhattan jail cell. They claim death by suicide. Now, do I believe Jeffrey Epstein offed himself? No. No. Or do I believe that it wasn't one of those things like the Godfather where he gets a visit in jail and they say, you know, the Roman soldiers, they did this and and it would be good and your family will be taken care of. And, and you know, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself on his own. On his own. Now, maybe he did. But do I think that when you're talking about 
Bill Clinton, when you're talking about Prince Andrew, when you're talking about Bill Richardson, the former governor, when you're talking about all these other people that may be involved with Jeffrey Epstein, that they didn't want him to go to trial. They didn't want him to spill the beans. They didn't want the federal government and the prosecutors of New York to say, hey, roll over on some people and maybe we'll give you a lenient prison term. Did I ever think that this guy would make it to trial? No. No. So Jeffrey Epstein uh, was found dead. Now this kind of goes away, doesn't go to trial. We don't hear any more about it. It's a done deal, and everybody gets to go home. The little black book disappears, and everything is fine. This is exactly what I expected to happen. God, it's crazy. It's crazy. You, there was no way this guy was going to go to trial. Is anybody shocked by this? Jeffrey Epstein is dead? No. No. Vast network. I mean, I'm looking at, he was friends with everybody. He gave to every cause. He was part of this. Bill Clinton took 26 flights they know of on his plane. Donald Trump was a friend. Said, yeah, I know he was under, he, he likes underage girls, but he's an all right guy. Wow. Wow. I, uh, I'm blown away by this. We, uh, <clears throat> when we come back, Tim, Dr. Tim King is going to be here. Cindy Morrill says she's coming back with a little puppy. And I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to continue the show or play with the puppy. I think I'll continue the show and try and play with the puppy also. I uh, I, I wanted to get into these mass shootings and I, I, I try and put your 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 wrap your mind around this. We I talked about the petri dish that I was in in Philadelphia International Airport, where people because of the weather, no fault of anybody's, completely blow up and lose their minds over delayed flights and start attacking each other and attacking the people who work for the airline to the point where two people just walked out because they couldn't take it anymore. And then the people who ended up ultimately replacing them Ended up becoming so rude, we're getting a call on the hotline. Why would we get a call on the hotline? It's a president. President Trump. I was not, I did not like Jeffrey Epstein. That's a lie. Who is it? Oh, he's calling. Oh, he's here? Oh. He called on the hotline and let me know he's pulling in. Dr. King.
we're going to try and wrap our arms around all this. But uh, the anger and the uh, the divisions that we have in this country are sparking things that are out of control. The the AI, the uh, the mixing human embryo, mixing humans with pigs, and we have no sense of 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 what a human being is anymore, of what we are as people anymore. Um, we we've just lost it. We've lost our minds, and. And that's why I asked Dr. King to be here, because I absolutely love the guy, but he is very practical. He's very understanding. He counsels families. Um, Just try and, in the next half hour or so, 45 minutes, I want to try and wrap my arms around this. But I also want to know why we treat, why the media doesn't treat all gun violence the same. Fifty-nine people were shot in Chicago, including seven fatally, over the weekend in mostly poor black neighborhoods in the city's south and west sides. But as the nations grieved over the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton that left 31 dead, the daily tragedy of gun violence in our inner cities Hardly gets a blip. Why? Why? Are they not as important? I don't know. I We have to ask ourselves these questions. I'm going to ask Dr. Tim King. We'll do that when the week that was continues right after this. Hour number three of the week that was. And, you know, uh, Cindy Morrow just brought her little puppy Wrigley in here. And I was on the floor probably five minutes while a dog just mauled me, just rolled over on me and licked my face and is the most beautiful. No, I don't want my dogs to hear this. It's a beautiful dog. I fell in love with this dog. But, you know, and here's the other part, Tim. While I've got you, Dr. Tim King is here. And um, in, the spite, in, in spite of all the stuff that goes on, uh, in a world where people are just crazy anymore, hating people, hating each other, doing this, doing that, dogs are amazing. Uh, they are. <laughs> I, I want the listening audience to get a, a picture in their mind right now of Joe Palmasano rolling on the floor with a puppy. Yeah. Radio doesn't afford us <laughs> that privilege. You should consider TV, my friend. It's like it, all of a sudden... Everything is forgotten, and this dog, this puppy, is just loving on you and rolling on you and licking your face, and uh, it like takes you away from all that. It's therapeutic. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Now, Dr. King, um, your your practice. Go ahead and tell people about your practice and what you do. I I want to do that. I don't think I've ever allowed you to do that. We just kind of just talk. Sure, sure. Yeah, we've uh, native uh, Stark County, born and, and raised in Canton, Ohio. Uh, attended Gibbs Elementary School, Crenshaw Junior High School, and graduated from Canton McKinley High School. And uh, went on to college and got a degree in psychology, a master's degree in clinical counseling, and a doctorate in clinical counseling. And we've been practicing now 
since 1993 uh, in the Stark County area. Um, see a lot of adolescents and their families, college age, high school age, middle school age, uh, do some marriage counseling as well, depression, anxiety, top two. Uh, have had our share, though, of, of violent uh, offenders and uh, started at Indian River School where uh, felony one offenders uh, are incarcerated for their crimes. So, yeah, I've been serving people in the Stark County and surrounding county areas for uh, over decades now. And uh, You do an amazing job. Well, thank you. You're a real person. That's, a diff- that's the unique thing. Is yeah. That, that, uh, and you are. Now, I, I have to tell you this. I'm going to start this whole thing out. We had, we had the mass killings um, in Dayton on August 4th, August 3rd, day before El Paso. Um, I, I lived in El Paso. I coached in El Paso at UTEP. Uh, my wife and I and son frequented Cielo Vista Mall. And to hear about this happening in that mall, really, I could almost, you know, for the, I could really put myself in that situation and what would have happened. Virginia Beach, May thirty, May thirty first, twelve dead. Aurora, Illinois, February fifteenth, five dead. Um, and I, I come back to this. I was in Philadelphia over the uh, Wednesday. Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Planes were delayed because the storms were incredible up and down the East Coast. Uh, A flight that I was supposed to take out at 7, I ended up getting home at 4 a.m. Now, all these people are in the airport. But instead of being rational and saying, you know, these storms are going on, these flights are delayed because these storms are pretty bad, people started attacking each other. I'm sitting there watching people disintegrate into calling each other names, yelling at each other, abusing the people that work it for the airline to the point where two people left uh, and just said, I'm going home, and left the counter un- unattended. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. We're not rational anymore. Um, to the, and, and, and I tried to, you know, I, I went up and after they left, I, I joke about this, but I went up and grabbed the mic as if I was taking over and got on the microphone and said, are there any questions? (laughs) And everybody started laughing, but I was expecting somebody to go, hi, you know, and start at me. But it was, how do you wrap your... (sighs) You've been practicing since '93, and you've 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 obviously been around. Um, you've been in Indian. Is this the worst time? You know, there've been there's been crazy, irrational things that have happened uh, throughout time uh, since the beginning of human beings. Uh, and your kind introduction to me, he's a real human. I mean, that's where it starts, right? I mean, we are human, and we have to define, uh, you know, a human. And a human is certainly capable of irrational behavior. Uh, all humans are capable of frustration and anger uh, and, and violence. We're all capable of it. 
but there's some programming in you, Joe, from somewhere, your parents, grandparents, uh, you know, that says, hey, we got a tough situation here in the airport, but I'm going to choose to make it a, a good situation. We're taking a bad situation, and you're going to get up there on the microphone like you work there and probably put a smile on some people's faces like, who is this guy? Now, you take a risk. You yeah. take a risk of the irrational folks that, that are there. Uh, and, and that's a specialty, right, is to be able to get in between two irrational football players or two irrational athletes or two ra- irrational people and talk some rationality into them. We've all been in situations before where we think that's a futile situation. They are so irrational uh, that we're not going to be able to talk any sense into them right now. And But how do you carry it over? Being irrational is one thing. Walking into a mall and with a purpose of killing random people. We see a guy that threw a five-year-old off a balcony of a mall. Uh, just because. Just because. How, 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 did, how does a human being get to the point where he can actually, or he or she can actually walk into a place knowing that their purpose of being there is to wipe out as many people as possible? The very definition, Joe, of psychology is the study of human behavior. Uh, People are fascinated with why do I do what I do? Why don't I do what I know I should do, right? And and, and we're all all different. And so, again, it goes back to studying the the human being. I just uh, heard on the radio or saw in the paper where Governor DeWine is actually uh, hosting a pediatric mental health summit. Um, uh, Tim Canrola Bearing Company just donated $1.7 million to ComQuest here uh, locally. And so I'm, I'm all for people being mentally healthy. But that's when a tragedy hits. How can someone throw a, a five-year-old off of a balcony? How can somebody walk into a mall with the intention to just shooting random people? All of the school shootings, okay? Uh, they want to say he mentally or she, if, the, if, the, if it's a, a, a woman... Uh, mentally snapped. Uh, I did. I read a book one time called "The Psychology of Evil." Uh, I'm hesitant to even mention that on here because somebody's going to run out there and grab that book now. M. Scott Peck, a prolific author, he's he's gone now. A huge loss to our field, but uh, he dared to grab that word "evil" and to study it from the academy, from a from a a research perspective. And and I've always said. As a mental health professional, I'm glad that our, our, our governor and, and that the authorities and, and the leaders are, are wanting kids to be mentally healthy. You know, we've got healthy food in, the, in schools now so that we can be physically healthy in phys ed classes, okay? Um, but when you bring up the word good and evil, uh, it's kind of hard to talk about that subject without, even, without bringing up the subject of morals, Yes. And so, you know, you could feel frustrated. Something inside of you keeps it from going to the next step, which is anger, which keeps it from going to the next step, which is decking somebody or being violent. And so every time I hear about one of these national atrocities, okay, rather than my mind going to what I've studied my entire life, mental health, my mind goes to another place, too. And that is, is that what is the human being? We're mind, body, and 
spirit and morals, right and wrong, come out of that thought process. But I, I, I try and gauge. You know, I get, I get angry. There's people that I get angry at. There's people who maybe an individual that I would punch, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's that's an individual. That's one on one, and that's kind of my. You know, in the age I grew up, if you had problems, you fought. Mm-hmm. And then you let it go. Mm-hmm. But to to that's so much different. I could wrap my arms around that. I could wrap my mind around that. I can't wrap my mind around being so angry that you would kill random people. Right. And, and that it, you have no relationship with. How do you lose so much of your humanity? that other humans have no value to you. Yeah. Uh, The number one word associated with self-harm, suicidal ideation, hopelessness. And there are those out there that have internalized such a deep level of hurt and feel so hopeless that if I'm going to take myself out or be taken out by the cops, I'm going to take some people out out of anger with me. It's it's our humanness. If you take a three-year-old... And you leave them in the dark, deep, dark woods of Africa. They do not grow up if they survive to say thank you and please. It is an eight in us human beings, okay, to potentially be barbaric. They even made a movie out of it one time called Jungle to Jungle, a Disney movie, okay, uh, where Tarzan was actually in New York City. It was a, a, a comedy, okay. But in reality, here was a young man raised in the jungle, if you will who didn't say thank you, didn't say please, who will steal from you, who will take something from you, who will hurt you to get what he wants. And so the epitome of self-centeredness, of narcissism, of selfishness is I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. And if that means walking to a mall hurting a bunch of people, then that's the way I'm going to go out. And what do they want? They want to die. They want to die because things are hopeless. I I contend that they also want the hurt within themselves to go away. And it's the only option uh, that they see. And then the other thing that I think has a huge influence is back in the day, temperaments and personalities have been around from the beginning of time. And you might have had a temperament or a personality that could get angry like most of us. It could punch somebody, okay? But if you knock the guy out with the first punch, you're not going to sit on top of him and haymaker him while he's knocked out cold. Whereas back in our day, there were people like that. Right. Okay. And so I think the programming of the human brain, okay, with media and social media, there's that word again. And even what I see, especially with the juveniles, with, uh, is uh, the programming of violent games. There's almost a stamp of approval that this is okay. Right. And you might be alone in, a, in, in, in an irrational thought here in Stark County, but you go in a Snapchat room and you can find somebody out there that's going to put a stamp of approval on your on your irrational thought process. If your irrational thought process is potentially doing some harm to other people. It's amazing to me. I, 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 I want to continue with this, and I, I guess I'm the, trying to put. Is this something, and and we'll talk about this, but I is this something that has been, is it overblown by media? Has it been going on forever? And the media is just latching on it, onto it and causing it to seem 
greater than it is. And then the other part I want to get into is when does a, a mass murder become a mass murder? Why is it treated differently in the media if it's in Chicago on a weekend basis than it is El Paso and Dayton, Ohio? Do we minimize some people's lives over others? I want to get into that with you. We're going to continue with Dr. Tim King right after this. We are continuing with Dr. Tim King and talking about the violence and so many issues. I mean, I could talk to you for two hours on this, but there has, is it because there's 24-hour media now and they decide what they want to latch on to that makes this sound like it's worse than it is? Or is is it truly as bad as it is? That's a great question, Joe. And, and let me uh, attempt an answer in, in this sense of the word. Obviously, media has, has changed everything. Um, and it's kind of difficult to hide, if you will, from uh, negative news. One of the things I appreciate about this show as you're bringing people on that are doing good in our in our community and as, as you are doing well in, in your, your show but we know uh that negative news sells and so uh you know there's a a, a money driven uh I- issue there in, in the in the mass media and so uh you know if you study the history of of human behavior uh the history of of criminal behavior, uh, of irrationality, and from all cultures and and, and all races and all religions, you're going to find atrocities that cause uh, the average human being to raise an eyebrow and to to ask that question that you asked a while ago. How do you wrap your brain around what this guy did or what this this woman did? And and, and we got to come back again to looking at what a human being is and a human being apart from any kind of right wrong apart from any kind of a moral compass if you will uh is capable of mentally snapping and and doing an atrocity i mean even in the alcoholism world you know the old saying is you know uh, potentially could be me in that gutter right and so uh what the, the answer is what how do we curtail this this how do we how do we change it and that, that's that's the giant question do you see you and and I'm going to ask this, we only have a minute or so before we have to go to break, and this is probably not fair, but do you see a change in the in the attitudes of the people you deal with versus 10, 20 years ago? Drastic. Yeah, drastic. I mean, people are still people, but their programming, I, I use this phrase, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. And so what are we programming the human brain, the thought processes? I mean, just to ask people, you know, and it's been done before, where where psychologists have gone into the prisons, into death row, and said, tell me what you're thinking about right now. And to study the thought processes of of people is is fascinating. Well, when you say drastic, though, drastic in which way? Change. Drastic in the media, drastic in the programming, drastic in the information out there. Uh, available to somebody do they feel less connected now to the human to the other humans or more isolated now a relationship is everything 
and they feel less connected. And that's why a practice like mine, uh, you know, is, is, is busting at the seams is because people are coming in uh, feeling less connected. And because they feel less connected, the human beings around them aren't as important. Correct. <clears throat> That's scary. Yeah, it, it is scary. And when you look at... at, at, at uh, Social media was supposed to bring us together. Yeah. It has separated us. I agree. <laughs> We're going to continue with Dr. Tim King uh, as we look into this and get a feel for this. There's so many other questions I have for him. And we're going to continue with it right after the news and sports. We are continuing Dr. Tim King. And, and Dr. King, this is a, a question that I completely, I mean, they, they, when is a mass shooting a mass shooting? People say, and who defines it and who decides? Because people say if four people are killed or shot at, that's a mass shooting. And yet, we, if it's, if, and, and this is, I want people to get this correct. When it's black on black killing, 59 people were shot in Chicago this past weekend, last weekend, hmm. 59 people. Mostly in the south of Chicago and the west side, mostly African American community. <clears throat> black on black crime is not shooting each shooting killing in Chicago major urban areas is not considered are they that's considered normal whereas white on white crime is considered something that shouldn't happen in the media's eyes, in our eyes, are we are we minimizing the lives of the inner city community and saying that's normal? That just happens. We don't put that on TV. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. What what are we saying? We're we saying that's okay. What is a human being and skin color does not define whether we are human or not human culture does not define whether we're human or not human either does economics correct and yet and yet we know uh from the national political level down uh the love of money can drive people to do some pretty crazy things some pretty uh, wrong, if I can use that word, uh, illegal, immoral things. And, uh, and so, yeah, murder is murder. You know, crime is a crime. And again, when you ask the question, who gets to decide, well, let's just go ahead and go on record saying it's not Joe Palmasano and Tim King. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, and so uh, um, the, the, the media and uh, politics and, and money-driven decisions um, devoid of a real definition of what is a human being. If I, can't, I built my practice, Joe, on that principle of 
people don't care how much I know or my background or my education or my race or my religion. They want to know, do I really care about them first and foremost? And you care about people because you train yourself to see people for who they are and who they can become. And who they are, I, I've, I've said in my new uh, branding that I want people to be mentally healthy. I want them to be uh, uh, physically healthy. And I want them to be spiritually healthy. And I want them to be relationally healthy. Mm. And I think if you get those first two right, you're going you're gonna to lead to relational uh, healthiness. Okay. And none of us are bad in a thousand. We've all made mistakes, said something we shouldn't have said, oh, yeah. got angry. Um, but what we're talking about here is where that irrationality leads to beyond words. Or, But but then I, I get into this because if, if 59 people are shot in Chicago in a weekend, <clears throat> but that's not covered, in the minds of people, does it happen? And... How do these people feel? How do the parents of the people shot in Chicago on a weekend of those 59 people who were shot, how does the community, do they feel less important? Do they feel like it doesn't matter? They have to. Mm -hmm. Because you cover El Paso, yeah, there's, there's 22 people that were killed. That's a lot. I mean, that's crazy. But there's 59 shot in a weekend in Chicago. <clears throat> but no one's saying anything. It, it, it makes me wonder, where, who decides mm -hmm. what's important? Mm -hmm. Who decides? And if people don't know about it, oh, it's, it's, we're worried about El Paso. We're worried about Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. But we're not worried about that mom in Chicago who just lost her son over the weekend. It's crazy to me. I think it's safe to say that whoever decides is making a statement, a loud statement, that all human life is not valuable, whereas you're raising awareness to the listening audience of WHBC that all human life matters yes. and all human life is valuable. And shame on those people who are deciding that 59 lives in Chicago aren't as important because there are people in Chicago who hopefully respond to this with a positive motivation to raise awareness like you're doing on the radio today, like I do uh, in, in my office, okay? That it doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you have, what color your skin is, your life matters. You are here for a purpose, a positive purpose, okay? And, uh, and again, we go back to negative news cells. It's money-driven, and it's driven by people who think there's going to be a U-Haul behind their hearst someday. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I, uh, the, the other question that, that I wanted to get into is, you know, when this happens, people start talking about gun control. <clears throat> it's natural. Mm -hmm. You want to blame it on something. Yeah. Um, and you want to come up with the easiest low-hanging fruit for a solution. Now, I would agree, and I have said this multiple times on this show, that semi-automatic weapons, I don't understand the purpose of selling semi-automatic weapons. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't think anybody needs an AR-15 in their home. Mm-hmm. So that one I could I can agree with. Let's let's not sell those. I don't think there's a need. I don't know anybody that hunts with an AR-15. I don't know of 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 the need for that. But most of the killings that have taken place in Chicago are taking place are are happening with guns that were illegally gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, taking guns away from people, normal guns, hunting guns, pistols, whatever, mm-hmm. to protect yourself, is not going to stop the crime. I mean, there's mass knifings now. Oh, Stephen was talking about right. You know. You going to ban knives? If somebody hits me in the head with a rock, are you going to ban rocks? You know, we're we're missing the root cause, mm-hmm. and taking and taking a saying that the weapon is the evil thing versus the person who is using it. Right. If it's in the mind uh, of a um, of an individual to kill, if it's in the mind of an individual to mass murder. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna find a way. You 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 take away their weapon, and and they're gonna result to knives. I, I think about the bombings throughout uh, our, our country. Okay, uh, and so you know the, the the depraved mind is gonna find a way to uh, t- to commit that atrocity, to commit that uh, that crime. And so um, you know I <laughs> I love to target practice, right? I, I, I am an outdoorsman um, and, and grew up that way. And uh, have you ever shot an AR? No. Yeah. I, I have, in, you know, in a side of a bank, okay? Um, a side know, of a bank? A bank, a hill. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a hill. Right, go ahead. A, a dirt bank. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> yeah, I'll buy lunch today for us when we're done here. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and, and so, you know, again, whether you like to skydive or whether you like to sea dive or whether you like to target, target practice, okay? I am that kind of guy that says, you know, uh, people kill people. You know, uh, and, and it's not the gun that kills people. And, and I and I and I believe, I'm a little, you know, that if, if we if we do come up with legislation against these automatic weapons, then it's the next step to where, uh, you know, we're going to get rid of the whole Second Amendment. And so I don't think the answer lies within gun control anywhere. It lies within the transformation of the human mind. And so as we have a conversation, I'm listening for truth. And so, you know, we, we can show, to give me the truth. Can you handle the truth? And truth comes to us, okay, in my, well, it comes to us from good scientific research. What's the good scientific research out there on violence and on, on you know, say? But we're and, never going to stop this. There's always going to be good. There's always going to be evil. There's always going to be violence. There's always going to be people who, can we ever get to a point without some kind of, of of taking away freedoms of people mm-hmm. that we were able to stop this. So, and my answer to that, Joe, is I had a young man, 18 years old, in my office this week, okay, who had a plan in place, had written a suicide note, okay? Uh, in my experience, this guy was on the way to ending his own life because of deep-rooted hurt, okay? And he made me a commitment that he would not 
harm himself. That one, based upon the time that we've spent together, based upon discussing truth, okay, he's made me a commitment. He's not going to harm himself, right? Uh, there are wonderful organizations that go into the prisons and, and, and reprogram or attempt to reprogram the, the criminal's brain in there, the criminal's brain with, with good, okay, with, with encouraging words, with in, uh, increased self-worth, self-esteem, and self-identity. And so, you know, you, you, say, you say never, and, and you're, you're probably right, and there's always going to be good and evil, but one person at a time. Yeah. Okay? Well, you know, one family at a time. I mean, I, I gravitated toward these kids in Indian River. Okay. I remember one kid, he said, he said, Dr. King, I got so angry. Okay. At my dad that, that I, that I went pow and the sound of the gun jolted me back into rationality, but it was too late. There lay my dad in a puddle of blood. And so, um, you know, the human being is capable of some pretty crazy atrocities, but you know, the, out of the mind, that's where the battle's for. We say good and evil, and there's a grand battle out there. I say, I teach at the parents' office, I said, and, and the winner gets your son's mind. The winner gets your daughter's mind. The winner gets your mind. Okay, and so we got stuff in there that we can't hit the delete button like a computer and it's gone, but we sure can dilute that negative programming. Okay, that leads us to make better choices when it comes to our reaction to somebody. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's deep. I uh, it's work. Yeah, I know, I know, and and it really comes down to, and I know we got to go, but it really comes down to this: one-on-one, and I say this all the time: one-on-one relationships, getting to know someone, getting to know each individual on a very deep personal like we like we used to do mm-hmm. it's easier to kill someone that is in a category that we have labeled in a group than it is an individual who we've gotten to know and maybe by getting to know someone individually you affect that person. But until that happens, if we continue to be fragmented, it's going to get easier and easier to do this. Quick story. I love to teach with stories, okay? Uh, we, we got time for it? Uh, Virginia Commonwealth University professor Everett Worthington notified on a New Year's Eve night that his mother had been brutally murdered in his home. And uh, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but you can imagine the emotions and the feelings that go through your mind when you've got to go identify the body of your mother that just been brutally oh, murdered, God. okay? Yeah. And long story short, okay, he had a deep, deep hurt. If he doesn't deal with that hurt in a healthy way, hurting people hurt people, okay? Now, it might not be in a violent manner, but it could be in an emotional way. Whatever. He, he ended up going to the prison with a sole purpose eventually of meeting this guy who got 15 years in prison, okay, bound over to adult court, 17-year-old, and telling him that he is choosing, cognitively choosing to forgive him for the atrocity of his murder. Long story short, he went back two weeks later and two weeks later and two weeks later and ended up developing a relationship with the murder of his mother to where the murder of his mother said to him, Everett, I've talked to you more than I've talked to my own father in six weeks. Developed a relationship there. And so if we don't deal with the hurt inside of us, we are capable of irrational actions, even to the point of making national news. Yeah. Wow. 
Dr. Tim King, thank you so much for your time, as always. I love having you around. I love talking to you. And uh, I wish you the best on your journey. And we'll talk again soon, I sure. know. Sure. But thank you so much for coming in today. Hey, I love being on the show with you, you Joe. And uh, I am going to run home and get ready for my uh, da- for my daughter, uh, K- Kaylee King's graduation party tonight, graduate from Lake High School. And then next weekend, get, or the week, two weekends out, get ready for my my granddaughter's first birthday, uh, uh, Rylan King. So, so, yeah, we'll be, we'll be busy. And, uh, again, if somebody wants to get a hold of me, uh, they can reach me at 330-966-8677. Again, that's Northeast Family Care Counseling Center and Coaching for a Living. Or in one week, they can go out to drtimking.com because we'll have a new website up and running where our mission, again, is to see them relationally healthy, physically healthy, mentally, emotionally healthy, and spiritually healthy. Thank you. You have a great day. Hey, my privilege. Thank you. Dr. Tim King. All right, because I went long again, uh, this contest has got to go real fast. So if no one calls in, I'm just going to let it go and say goodbye to everybody and uh, and all that. It's a pair of tickets to see the Akron Rubber Ducks any ni- 2019 regular season game. And if you call, you'll... What's your name, please? Pardon me? What's your name, please? Oh, Tony. I'm Tony, sorry. Tony, how are you? Great. How about you? Tony, turn down your radio, please. Sorry. That's all right. Okay. That's why you couldn't hear me, because you're getting the feedback. Um, did you get the answers? Yes. Okay, here you go. The first Indian to hit 50 home runs was who? Albert Bell. Yes, 1995. That's funny that that took that long. How many... World Series did the Indians win in the 20th century? Um, just two. Yes. Very like good, Tony. Possibly three, right? I, I hope so. I hope so. That would be a great story. How many All-Star teams did Bob Feller make? Um, eight. You got it, Tony. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to put you on hold. You gonna you got a pair of tickets to see the Akron Rubber Ducks. You can go to any game you want, Tony. You use those anytime. Find a beautiful day and go. Uh, okay, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm gonna put you on hold. Stephen's gonna get all your information. You can come in this week and pick up all of uh, pick up those tickets. Okay, thank you so much, Jeff. Congratulations. All right, Tony's on hold. I want to thank Dr. Tim King. I uh, always love having him around. Cindy Morrow. Absolutely incredible lady who started a great organization that touches thousands and thousands of people. And I want to thank John Bazika, Stephen Potter, J. David Rest, and everybody, the cast of thousands. But I also want to thank you for tuning in. I will talk to you next Saturday. Make something great happen this week.